Hi, I'm Corey. I'm Sean. Welcome to the Shadowscape Podcast, the new music edition. This is the very first of the new music edition. Yeah, podcast. we don't know what this is yet. Yeah, we're just, <laughs> we're just figuring this out. But we wanted to make sure that we celebrated some of the awesome musicians that we know, the ones that are in the world, and the ones that are making good tunes that we want to just talk about. So today is the very first with Sean and Corey. We choose how to feel. We choose how to heal. We know how we feel. We know this is real. And with our special guest, Faint Heart. What's up? Hey. hey, what's going on? Have y'all had your coffee today? We uh yeah we we had some great coffee at Monarch. You guys are the one one of the few bands that I know that will actually wake up yeah. and do something. Agreed. Most bands it's like they'll sleep until and noon. Basically, until somebody has to pee. I think it's usually until someone in the house, not ever them, but someone that they're staying with starts making food. Yeah. Never makes they're not making food for the band. Or they come into a basement with a cowbell. Because that happened to us on tour. Yeah, once. that has happened to us before. <laughs> but that wasn't that wasn't in the middle of the night. That was at seven a.m. That was like at six thirty a.m. Getting a cowbell up at the top of the stairs. Yeah. some strange was lady was like, "Get up! Experience. It's breakfast time." <laughs> the There's like twelve experience. of us. This tour military camp. I'm really this confused. was uh, this was touring in in Western Kansas. But you it said you're staying in a strange lady's house. Yeah, that well, was it. Was it, was it, a family. it wasn't by our choice? Actually, we played like a a show with like three or four other bands in it was kind of this like festival scenario and so they the like the promoters put us all up in the same place so there's just like a horde of people sleeping downstairs in this basement 6 30 a.m this lady which we really don't know gets a cowbell out and starts going blue oyster cult at the top of the stairs for like basically until i woke up and was like hey what's up and she's like it's breakfast time no one else nope. got up. You were the self-sacrificial one. I was just like, I was so tired. I was sick. I was like, there's no way. You're crazy. So I just went up and had breakfast with a strange lady. Yep. <laughs> it, it didn't occur that like maybe you wanted to sleep a little bit. Well, no, and apparently we were on the farm. When I came upstairs like an hour and a half later, she was super passive aggressive to me. Like, like I was like getting food and she was like, it was a lot better when it was warm. And I was just like, <laughs> savage. We, one time we were in Western Kansas, uh, in very similar thing, we were all sleeping, but then we were awakened by like a nine year old with a gas mask. On. That's, <laughs> what? That's and, never happened. Was to you this before? before Riley joined the band? Yeah, this was before Riley joined the band. It and, was a nightmare. Yeah, and then he started playing Grand Theft Auto and was just really into murdering people. So you guys are a band. We are. Where we are from? a band. Um, well, that's a little bit of a night. Kansas slash the Missouri Kansas area, and uh, Illinois. How long have How long have we known each other? Four or five years? Well, yeah, I think 2014. How long were you guys a band before we met you? Oh, a year. So not long. See, I felt like you guys were like really an established, been doing it kind of thing when I met you. But I guess you just had that chemistry. I know, cool. like uh, Jeremy, Jeremy had played in um, several bands before that. And then I, I, know. I mean, I've known Corey for like. Yeah, we played shows together way back in the day when I was touring in a rock band. And I was in high school. Yeah, and usually the promoters like at that time were pretty good, and so there would be a good rock show 
like at every single town. And, and so it was like every time I was in Wichita, I would always, I would always see Jeremy and like, uh, there's like six or seven people that were just at every single rock show. So I think that's how Jeremy, I, did we meet at a show? I felt like I kind of met you maybe at that show with don't, give up the ship and the lost colors. And I think that, yeah, I think that might've been where we like met, met. So you guys have a brand new record. It's called the overview effect. It is. Yes. Correct. Can you tell us about it? Yeah. I mean, this, this is a record we've been of it's songs that we've been working on for about a year now. And it's um, a collection of these songs that we felt like fit together pretty well. Um, and I think, the overview effect, I mean, you kind of have a good idea of what kind of... Yeah. Uh, basically, like, the overview effect is actually a thing. It's not something we made up. It's in, It's on Wikipedia? Yeah, yeah, Should yeah. we read the Wikipedia? Yeah, if you thing? just want to do that, you could, you know, that'd be fine. We'll put a link to the Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah we'll put a uh, link in the uh, <laughs> no, episode description. We're going to have Clippy read it yes. later. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but don't, don't read the Urban Dictionary definition. Uh, oh, man. Okay. Overview effect. Hunter added that one. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the overview effect is a phenomena. Okay, so I never know the difference between phenomena and ph- phenomenon, so I'm just going to go with phenomena because whatever. Uh, one is in a Muppet song, right? Yeah. Phenomena. <laughs> <laughs> Bad, joke. Sorry, Bad joke. Bad uh, joke. The overview effect is a phenomena uh, experienced by astronauts like as they are leaving space and they realize like a lot of the things that divide us like you know uh uh, like state lines and then eventually like countries and borders and all that like it doesn't matter we're like we're citizens of the earth and you know when when they when they see that pale blue dot you know just in space you you, it's just this cognitive shift Mm -hmm. when you realize like we are all humans you know and and we pick just weird petty things to divide us and, and kill each other that, over yeah, when, yeah and when you just see the earth just hanging there like we're all the same yeah I makes think, you wonder if maybe astronauts aren't the most qualified to be world leaders <laughs> i i think like uh, a lot of these songs i mean there there's inward reflection and and then there's like reflection of and then how do we relate and like um I guess any song is this way, but how does it relate in, in the world today? And I think um, there's conflict all the time like throughout human history, but I think just like right now, it's just, it feels very prevalent. And I think that really influenced these songs and just like understanding like these, like we're all people. And it's like, I mean, that sounds very elementary, but it's something I think we, the human race still hasn't figured out I th- it, as elementary I mean, as it is. You can say that all you want, but yeah. it's, it's like these these lines and these borders and people that live in different parts of the world. It's like we don't when we stop learning about other people and other points of view. I think we're in big trouble. So did this idea, um, like the title, did the title and this idea influence the writing of all the songs, or was the title trying to find a way to wrap up what you've already written? Yeah, that I think it. I think it was we looked at what we were saying in all of the songs and we tried to find the best way to communicate that um, on a record, like as a collection, as a title. I think like writing for us too has been kind of like an ongoing conversation. Like our writing process ends up being a lot of multiple minds working together to create something. And oftentimes it's like an overflow of whatever conversations and things we're already talking about. Like I know 
I've had a conversation with like each person one-on-one and like collectively just talking about this idea of locating ourselves in a world that is saying so many different things and telling us different things about other people and being like, well, I actually don't know any of these people or what's going on here. Um, and so all of these conversations kind of coming into like a process of writing and kind of overflowing into that. So it's, it's kind of mutually informing, I think. Do you guys have a primary writer? Does someone kind of own doing that or does it come from different places? Um, when it comes down to it, I think um, we we do all contribute to the writing process. I know like um, with us being separated, um, we do um, use a lot of the, use the internet a lot to write, but I think it does start somewhere. Um, I like a few of these songs, I mean, coming from me and coming from Jeremy, um, I think um, trying to work on where this point of view that we're like the overview effect, like we talked about, and it's um, having that similarity between them. And yeah. For context, um, if it wasn't clear from the beginning, uh, Tanner and Riley live in Manhattan, Kansas. I live in Kansas City, Missouri. And then Hunter lives in, I'm just going to say Chicago. So we have to use the internet. So when we wrote this album, most of it was written over the summer. Like Google Drive was our like best friend. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Tanner and I would write stuff in Manhattan. Almost which, postal service style. Yeah. And, and, yeah. It, and it was like, it was, it was flipped though. Cause over the summer I was still in Manhattan and Riley was in Kansas city, you know? And so Tanner and I would mm-hmm. like write things and send it to Riley and he would come up it. Yeah. So it was a really interesting process. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, Riley, did you write a song on this record as well? Yeah. So it, which was an interesting experience too. So we were working through things and with that distance, I felt like kind of separated from the process because the band kind of birthed out of like writing sessions between me, Jeremy and Tanner, um, in Manhattan. So we were all in Manhattan a year ago and it's kind of where we started was like working together, um, in that capacity. So when we were gone over the summer and we're like, Hey, we needed to keep writing some things. Um, you know, they would work during the week and I'm like, I don't know how to help because I'm not in that same headspace. And I think that's something we're trying to learn and grow in, in this day and age of like, you know, we have these great tools of connectedness, but how do we really use them for the creative process and like really understand where each other's out? It's like using a language over this distance. And so, yeah, I ended up writing all the music for one of the songs um, and then sending it to them. And then they wrote a melody and put lyrics to it, which was really, really interesting to see an interpretation of my instrumental, you know, writing. And then how they heard it uh, lyrically. And I was just telling them this yesterday, actually. It's like, we were listening to some of the mixes back from that and being like, man, like this is hitting home. And I didn't know that's what I wanted to say, but you put words and a melody to it. That was part of the music. So that was a really cool like moment to say, you know, thank you guys for doing that for me as a writer. Um, so yeah. It's kind of uh, comforting when the people that you choose to be in a band with like actually get you as a person and as a human and are able to say, you know what, let me finish your sentence. Like, I think we've been around each other long enough and I know your story. So I think I, I feel what you're feeling. And so let's put it in, like put it into motion in that way. And musically too. I mean, we talk a lot about like identifying uh, musically what things we're all into, even though that changes, but I feel like there's a foundation musically that we all understand of each other. And I think, knowing where each person has come from stylistically and musically helps us know where we fit in. So as musicians, 
there was a little bit of a switch this year from the the genesis of of you guys starting as a band to now some of you are playing different instruments right yeah what's that like that's me and riley he's sitting next to me by the way yeah. we're coming it's up on the cute. microphone like they're uh, sharing one mic know, and it yeah, looks like like, like we would be two background singers together yeah that's kind of what it's like. It's like yeah. Donnie and Marie Osmond. <laughs> exactly. We're each going to put one hand on our ear and do a little doo-wop. Uh, we just felt that um, it was the right thing for the band. Um, just different strengths. To, to like some background here, um, when Riley came, like started playing in the band, Riley filled in. We So we didn't have a bass player. We had... Um, drummer guitar players we didn't have a bass player riley would fill in on bass and like when we were like playing more and more and like we actually <laughs> we I like to actually, think we tricked riley into joining the band it's kind of funny actually Corey, <laughs> like you took those first promo photos for us and we it was just me hunter and tanner and like right after that we're like oh dang we need a bass player right did you just photoshop him in later no so what happened was and I'll tell the story because I'll, I think it's, it's the most relevant. I think it's yeah. funny from my perspective. Uh, they were like, "Hey, like, come play this gig with us," and I was like, "Cool, like, this is awesome." And like, some of my background is like, I played in bands growing up, but like, we played really small shows. And um, so I'm from Phoenix, and I grew up playing church music a lot. And so like, that was my background. And I was like, "Oh, these these cool guys want me to play in their band." I was like, "That'd be super cool." And, and where were we playing too? <laughs> So they're like, hey, can you come play? We're like, we're playing the show out in Des Moines, Iowa. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, I've never been there. That's probably super cool. Like, I'm going to come with them and play. And it ends up being like a church worship conference. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, like it's a show. I don't know what it is. And we show up and I'm like, yep, playing bass for this church conference. It's like, yep, this is my big break into the, <laughs> to the real music industry. Um, but it's changing really cool. it up. <laughs> right. Really changing it up. But um, so after that, they're like, Hey, we have another show coming up. Do you want to play with us? I was like, yeah, sure. Maybe this one will be a real one. And, uh, they're like, Hey, we're going to get coffee. And so we met up and they're like, we're going to take some pictures before. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, I guess I'll watch or something. <laughs> I'm like, no, like get in the pictures. And then, um, we actually had coffee after that. And they're like, Hey, like, uh, and they're all like sweating. It was like, I was like, I've never, we were asking you out. <laughs> do you want to, it was nerve wracking. Do you want to go out with us, Riley? That's basically <laughs> what it was like. And I was like, yeah, sure. Let's do this. And since we put you in the pictures, <laughs> that, well, that, that's like, a really it. smart manipulative <laughs> tactic. You know, well, it's already done. We spent the money. The photos are taken. You're in the band, man. Well, and it was, I, I think it was our first show or maybe it was like the second one. But we're like, yeah, you, you'll play bass. But then the first show, we ended up pl- having to play it acoustic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're like, well, Riley, why don't you just play guitar? <laughs> but you play bass in the band. Stay in your lane. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was this like back and forth of like, okay, like Riley, you, you'll play bass. And I'm like, yeah, like I'm just not good at bass. Like I'm really not. I haven't really played it much before. And you know, like there's that, you play guitar, you can play bass. I'm like, that's just not true. Like there's a, a level that, of it. That is not, yeah, that's not, a, we need to get off of that horse. Oh, yeah. Totally. I think that the you, rhythm section of the world deserves better than a guitar player who's also not good at guitar, who's like, I'll just play bass. Yeah, well, so Jeremy showed me a podcast on literally on this drive to Des Moines where Aaron Marsh is talking about, you know, some of his approach to things. And he's like, honestly, I just think the bass is the best, like one of the most important instruments and to like you know, have the worst guitar player ba- play bass is one of the worst things you can do for a band. And I'm like, well, 
I don't feel like I'm the worst guitar player in this band. <laughs> so maybe that's not the worst place to be. But I think we were asking the wrong question. It was like, who's the best bass player in the band? And I think that's where it came down to being like, yep, you know, Jeremy is like, you know, he did drum line in high school. He really understands rhythm. Did and- you really? Yeah, Jeremy and I met at band camp when we were like I went to band camp 12 years old. Years. We were both drummers. And that was part of the conversation was like, well, Jeremy's played bass in bands. He's played drums in bands. He he understands that relationship between melody and rhythm. I had no idea that you were a drummer. Mm. There's a few drummers in this band. Jeremy knows what's up. I mean, it was like, yeah, Riley's just, Jeremy said this, Riley's just better at guitar. He should play. And I was like, no, Jeremy. The point is that you're really good at bass, oh. and you should do that. And so I agree with you. Sean. That's really cool. You don't, you know, you don't often see a, a personnel shift like that that goes so amicably, and that everyone feels good about, and it benefits the band. You know, it's it's usually more what we were joking about, like who's the worst guitar player? Are right, you play bass? And instead, it's like, no, you really excel at this. I think yeah. that's cool, and and that's something that we all we understand that we want the best for this group and we want what's best for each other. And that decision was not hard to make. You'd think like there would be an ego would get in the way. And, and, you know, there was, we were kind of nervous to have that conversation, but everybody from, from the second it was mentioned was like, that makes sense. Let's, yeah, let's do that. And let's keep going forward. Yeah. Which is why Hunter's going to be switching to guitar here. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. what we don't need. I think it is interesting. Uh, other than Hunter, it's int- like when we will get your demo sometimes or you'll kind of be like, I'm working on this and we might want to throw this on the next record. What do you think? And I'll get like a Google Drive invitation and I will never know exactly who's playing the instruments. Because a lot of times, like if Hunter couldn't get to it, Tanner would be like, I'll lay drums down for this for a little bit. Or like Randy, the logic drummer, or Kyle. Like, Kyle. It's, it's, Kyle. Kyle is usually the well, guy. Yeah, too. Kyle is the Turn, logic preset we use. You know, it's, it's fill knob all the way up. It's shredding. It's really time. funny though, because like all of you do switch instruments a little bit whenever you're actually like writing, and you can kind of step into a different role to keep the song moving. Uh, even if those, those roles change or like those ideas change, cause usually Kyle doesn't get a bigger say than Hunter. Um, but you know, sometimes, sometimes, <laughs> That's what you think. sometimes it's a good place to start. It's weird being the least talented person in a band also behind a MacBook drummer, like just bottom of the list. <laughs> oh hush. But yeah. what does crack me up about MacBook? Drum- okay. So again, yeah, for those this that is are like listening, such a nerdy joke. Yeah. For those that are listening that aren't down. like, like super techie we record in this program and it has this like synthetic drummer and you can choose different personalities yeah, they gave it names on this latest yeah update. kyle and chad and and rick <laughs> and and, and chad no, the but, best is like the edm ones its name is like magnus yeah <laughs> what's well, crazy yeah. is chad literally doesn't wear a shirt even in this yeah <laughs> he's, he's he's shirtless in your macbook but but there's also there, there's this That's little, actually the name of my next record. There's this I little just want shirtless in your axis and you can take you can take the knob and you pull it left and it's simple and right is complex and down is quiet and loud is up and it just makes me laugh. If because only friendship I don't, was that easy. I, well, no, I was gonna say I don't ever think of it like I'm choosing drumming style. I think of it like I'm choosing Kyle's personality. He's very complicated and loud, you know, <laughs> which is where we always have it, as loud as possible. And then, um, like, there's like a fill knob you you can turn up. Yeah. And whenever I'm controlling Kyle, aka telling him what to do, it's fills all. There's the a time. lot of content in his yeah, life. Yeah. And then it's Hunter's full. like, "What is this?" And I'm like, 
<laughs> Jeremy's great. like, oh, that's perfect. And Kyle's like, all over the place. We need Kyle empty inside, not full. You know, I know that I've worked with you guys a little bit on writing songs and sometimes it's hard for me to articulate drum talk uh like over an email like so you have like, i need a shigadoo kick it so down. yeah so you have to create something and you know since i don't actually play drums you know i'm i'm breaking out you know was one of the people one of the the logic drummers and it's funny and i know hunter hates this too is i'm the opposite i'll send him something and it's got no hi-hats in it no symbols it's just like it's it's basically like phil collins just all toms and like snare rolls that is way easier to understand than <laughs> <laughs> yeah they should they should they should maybe uh pull that phil knob down one so it's it's funny that like we're laughing about all of this and having different opinions, but it's even something like this is really current conversation for us in a serious way. Like, and it's the same thing of like we want to find the best places to be like, yeah, what's best for the band and how do we get that? And I think even you being like, who does most of the writing for the band is like we're asking that question also. Right, it's like that we're realizing, yeah, we can all do something. Like we can we can all write a song, we can all do these things, and um, trying to navigate that it can be difficult because. Um, it's like where are the ideas coming from, who kind of has the vision for the song. And, um, I think feeling that really viscerally when it's like, Hey, like you said, emailing, right? Like how do I email drum talk? We're like, yeah, we ask that question a lot yeah. is how do we email drum talk to Hunter? Yeah. And Cause I'm cutting demos at my apartment in Illinois. So I, I, we, we are lucky to have a couple of other drummers in this band. So I think these guys really are good about communicating, whether it's through the computer, the logic drummer, or just midiing out, you know, typing out uh, drum parts just to establish a feel. And that really helps me because I don't have to kind of guess or force something. You know, they're really able to communicate pretty well. Gives you a good picture yeah, of where I, to start. Absolutely. At least. And then yeah. I kind of take over from there. For sure. Right. And so it's kind of cool, like getting to grow together in that and be like, this works, this doesn't work, but also to encourage each other and say like, dude, like you can finish the song or you can, you can keep up with this idea or where we trust you, we're going to follow you on this idea and kind of let you spearhead it. Um, and kind of grow in that way. Cause I know we all like enjoy writing songs and you know, it's very cathartic for us. Like we get something really important out of it. And I think our friendships really tell to that as far as like, we want to, foster growth on an individual level and as a band um, and also being willing to say like yeah i can take a step you know aside because this is what's best for the band um but yeah there's just a really good tension in relationships with that for us i think a lot of times i've actually seen you guys push each other into progress more than like i need to stay out of the way i know the beginning of faint heart was really tanner stepping into a different role you know from the the previous band that you guys uh some of you guys played in uh and tanner was really owning a lot of the lead guitar and then stepping into faint heart and owning a, a a lead singer position and i know like tanner was just not super stoked on that <laughs> at the beginning like, i liked being being able to hide from the front and yeah. kind of just like do my own thing yeah the dude wants to rip <laughs> you know Which, I, his I, I need to add, like <laughs> Like, there's like a song where he's singing and shredding at the same time, and I just look and I'm like, that's just stupid. Like, that's not that's, right. That always frustrates me. We all me agree, Tanner is that. the best guitar Stop. player in the band. <laughs> we know that. But I, I think it's I think that that was the first like time where I saw like every you know Tanner did not feel like I can totally do this, and everyone's like, 
we're going to keep writing this song that's farther into your talent than where you are right now, but we're going to keep pushing you through this recording process and, and we're going to get to the other side of this and that thing that you couldn't do at the beginning of the record is the thing that is now the new stepping stone for the next step. And I, I think that's really cool because I, I know I don't, being in a band is probably one of the hardest things that I've ever had to do with other people um, to not to not only make good music, but to not hate each other. Yeah. You know, like, because like selfishness and pride and, and just trying to sort out like creative things is such, that's such a weird place to be. In, I mean, like with, this is like stuff coming from our heart. It's, I mean, it's, it's like, we're vulnerable. Like I think personal. it's, it's very personal. These are like our thoughts and our feelings. And like, I Especially think that's, Jeremy. that's why. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> but, it, but that's a, that's a good point though. Like Jeremy, has the way he writes songs and what he writes about is so different than what Tanner writes about and how he writes. But we all are like, yeah, I can put myself there and I'm with you. And more, more often than not, we sit there and be like, so what's the song about? And then we have like a two hour conversation about their life and where they're at and really sit with them in that and be like, that's awesome. We want to make this song with you because we believe in you and trust you. I really identify with that too. I know it's not, it's not like a prerequisite that a song has to have a meaning, but for me, just as a person and as a listener, maybe even just as a producer and a songwriter, like I so highly value that there was a conversation about where this song's going and what, like how people are going to hear it and maybe how it's going to help people or, or even just how it helps you. I think that's such a, that's a cool place to write from because for me, like it's easy to tell, like you turn on the radio and it's like, I bet that song just started because it feels good and they stopped at feels good and there's not a whole lot going on and not a lot of content to hold on to. And that's cool. Uh, but you know, I've always admired that, that place where you guys are like, you know, each song that we have is a story that we're telling from our own life or from someone else's life. And, um, I think that it's cool to see that add up over time and, and that all your work is kind of so personal. And with that, we, we were having this conversation yesterday, I think. And like for me being a little bit farther, um, down the line in the writing process, like there were, there are words to songs that when I finally heard it, I was like, Oh, this is how I feel. Jeremy or Tanner, they were actually able to put words to something that I know I felt. And because we've talked about, you know, some of, the, some, of, some of, you know, what we go through and, and how we feel about stuff and the conversations we have. And I was like, wow, they, this is how I feel. And it's really cool to see people I know who understand me create something together that isn't just one person's voice. It's kind of a reflection of how we all really do feel. And I think, I think that's such a beautiful picture in a couple of ways, because first of all, unless you are Phil Collins, usually the drummer is kind of the silent member lyric lyrically. Thank goodness. Um, well, I mean, there's <laughs> rush, in our right? Case, definitely. Um, yeah. Rush. Sure. rush. No, no, no. Uh, he writes lyrics, you know, but, but, uh, so, so it's cool that you, you Hunter feel like, um, your feelings and your message are being represented and portrayed by these guys as ambassadors in a way, but it's also beautiful because, you know, Jeremy has written a lot of the songs lately and I feel like Jeremy feels pretty comfortable and confident letting Tanner bring that message and convey that message. And I think that's a very intimate thing as well to trust someone else with your feelings and thoughts 
with a microphone. That's, that's a very interesting really, thing. Really, I think Jeremy's just hoping that everyone thinks Tanner's dealing with all this crap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is so Tanner's funny. The one there's that like needs therapy. We and... were talking about this, and it was like, you know, there's some songs that are like relationships are hard, and like, yeah, we've all been there, and we've all had those things. But Tanner's like, yeah, like I'm happily married. Yeah, <laughs> Tanner's like, I'm what doing the great, hell, guys. <laughs> My mom well, made me cookies yesterday, and oh, they're good cookies. <laughs> they happened. were good cookies. I ate too many of them. Tanner, Thanks you're having them. a good life so far. <laughs> but I almost, it's almost like group therapy. Like we're yeah. all in this kind of very you know therapeutic thing for us. Great name for your band would be like group therapy. Or like group love. Group love. Yeah. Group love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was supposed to be group the joke when like I said 80%? group therapy. Group love, 100%. That, that was supposed to be the joke, but nobody that was a great made the joke. connection. Sorry. I, I knew we where you were out. going, but I was just going to let Sean, you die on that hill. You t- Thanks. <laughs> Does anyone know what a non sequitur is? Sean and Corey, I'm curious if I can ask you a question. You talked about... Dear Lord, a, we've never had this. Yeah, yeah, this is not how this This is so Hunter. You talked about the podcast the struggle of kind of maybe you were fighting your band members for a creative direction or the way a song should go. Like, what was that like for you? Did you just feel like you had to take charge and that's why you ended up doing stuff on your own? Or did you feel like the music, you couldn't create music the way you wanted to because other people were sort of in the way? Um, I, what was the relationship like in your bands? Well, me and I think me and Corey's answers are going to be extremely different. Um, for no me, pressure. a lot of it, I started at a really young age writing songs and doing band stuff. We're talking like 13, 14 years old. And at 13, 14 years old, there's not a lot of guys like spilling their guts out on paper writing songs. So a lot of that was the band kind of was just built around the fact that like, oh, I've got buddies that play other instruments and they have got a buddy that writes a song, which is me. And so I write a song and we kind of just turn it into something. And that, I don't know that that was like a healthy way to start that group dynamic, but for me, because I started so young and that's all I knew, it took me a long time to get out of that. And when I got into my twenties and suddenly there were guys in my band that were able to write songs and able to create, it was a real, um, it was a real exercise for me to be comfortable with that and to, and to give that control over. And it was a real exercise for me to take someone else's song and try to sing it like I meant it or sing it in a key that didn't work for me. I remember yeah. that was a struggle, you know, cause he wrote it in a certain key and I had to stay there cause of these guitar riffs and like, it didn't work for me. And that was very alienating. That was, that was a challenge for me. And to this day, I think I probably didn't do a good enough job trying to incorporate their, um, but when it came to musically, I was kind of just like, all right guys, what do you want to do? Just take the reins. For me, it was really more lyrically and melodically. That was kind of the only thing that was hard for me to let go of. And and I feel like I've grown past that a lot since then. You know, we're talking that was seven years ago. And Corey's experience was completely different. The hard part for us and where the tension came from is there were so many very talented individuals in my band that had such vastly different influences. Um People, you know, like when I started touring, like I'd only been playing music for two or three years. Um, but every single person in my band, even though we were all in our early 20s, every every single person had been playing over 15 years. Like they all came out of the womb playing their instruments and, and, and were good at it. Um, but we were such a like 
diverse group in the sense of like our, our uh, role. Yeah. Our, our, well, just even our ideas, like our, our drummer was coming from like, uh, like the nineties and he was in really like Pearl Jamish type bands and, and, and like our, our, our piano player was, was coming from this place of like, he, he kind of grew up in the church and grew up with big ballads and classically he, trained. Yeah. And, and like, Everybody like our our bass player. He was playing in symphonies, and like everybody had tons of skill. But what do you do when like you basically just walk into a room and say, "All right, I have an idea." And in my brain, like I I grew up with very little music influence at all. Like we listened to not that much. Like basically, like Johnny Cash and Guns N' Roses were like the the few little things that I caught growing up. But not much music. Nobody in my family plays music. So I basically like jumped into music after like some crazy emo girl in my high school showed me dashboard confessional. And I was like, this is, this is cool. I like this. And then, so I'm sitting in this really like super emo, super like just speak your feelings place. And I would bring these songs to practice and I would get like, I would get so confused because all of a sudden I've got like, you know, this weird time signature, like coming through this ballad, just giant, larger than life synth. And it was like, it was like four or five bands would meet together and try to make one song, <laughs> you know, and we worked through that. But so a lot of the tension was we were coming from such different places and, and we didn't know what to do that, but we did figure it out. But we also like through touring, like we toured about seven years in a row, about two to 300 shows a year. And we went through six member changes. Um, and, and every single time a new member would come in, it, that dichotomy got even tougher. It was just like, there was never synergy from influence. Like there was never, ever that. And I think that's what made, made, that was a good thing for the listenership. And I think that was a good thing for the song. That was a hard thing to struggle through. Um, one, because I think a lot of people wanted their ideas to win and it was really just who was going to win that battle. Um, so, so I think it's, it's, it's really cool for, to see you guys go like, we're, we didn't learn that the song was supposed to win until most of the guys had quit. <laughs> like, you know, like it was the fourth or fifth edition of our band that started going, you know what? Like, it's just the song that matters and we're going to work to find something really great within that song. And that it's not about you or winning or your idea or selfishness or pride. And, and I think Corey and I both wrestled with that yeah. in our younger years. It took so a lot hard. of years to get out of, um, like my idea is going to win because I wrote the song and get out of the way. Like, you know, I definitely dealt with like, I, I didn't know at the time that I was, I was being so selfish about it. Oh but yeah. I look back and I'm embarrassed yeah. a lot of times at who I was. And a lot of my band members I haven't made contact with for years and they're sweet dudes and I know they're doing awesome and I'm glad, but I'm like afraid to reach out cause I'm not proud of the person that I was, you know, but you grow, you grow, you move, you know, so and this is a little self-serving, but, um, can you guys tell us about your recording experience? Um, I think people would be really interested to know what it's like for you guys in the studio and actually making a record. Um, so maybe, what I think we'd like to know yeah, what it's like for you in the totally. studio. But, I mean, I was, I was going that us. way anyway. More so, so yeah. more, more than just like a Yelp review, um, like even tell us like about some of the gear you're playing, some of the things that you experimented with on this record that you guys haven't done in the past. And just, just to kind of like, with a piece of trash. <laughs> helping, oh, yeah. yeah. Just help us understand what, what, what it's, what it's like. 
making tunes together in a studio sense versus a live sense. Right. Um, I think one thing for us, like to kind of like start the conversation was like, and this is for me. So I, I kind of joined this movement in meeting Sean and Corey later than everybody else. But I know like this idea of like serving the song and working in this way, I know for us has been something like we've been really honored and to learn from you guys, like you just sharing your stories and us asking you that was kind of like our relationship. I think a lot of times in the studio is like, Hey, we want to learn from you guys. Can you teach us more about what you've done, where you've come from? You know, what did you learn in your years of experience? And I think that's kind of where we sit in the studio often is like, teach us how to be better creators, like teach us how to do this. And so even to be like, yeah, let's serve the song together. Like whether that was explicitly said or just learned from being in the same room during pre-pro working on our songs, like that's something that I think we picked up and really appreciate. And so I think, um, that's really helped us translate into what the studio life is like for us. So when it comes to recording, um, I don't know, this was like my first experience with Shadowscape for a full record, so I may not be the best person to answer this as a whole. Sure. Well, well, I mean, <laughs> I, th- I what I think was different about this. I mean, um, this time, like going through this process is like I think we came in. Um, I mean, this may be a little bit of speaking from your guys' point of view too, but I feel like what we came in with was um, sh- more structured, more like Just like better. It's prepared. a it's a voice. It's more of a point of view than I think what like in previous. Previously, when we worked with, I mean, previous band we used to be in that we like when we worked with <laughs> Switchfoot, Voldemort, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, I mean, like as then it's be like, oh, this is here's an idea. Like, what do you think? Kind of thing. But uh, it works. Just record it. Let's go. But I, I, th- I feel like, I mean, if I'm there's a lot of intentionality, yeah. of purpose and goals and forethought, and forethought. I think. Mm-hmm. But even there, like working through it, I mean. I think it's really interesting work working and like like Corey, you'll bring an idea that I, I like never would have thought of and be like, what? And like at first, I'm sometimes I'm maybe even a little bit like resistant to mm. maybe. So, but like you may bring like a thought like like uh, like in one of our new songs where I like uh, the la la las or oh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> nah, nah, yeah, la la la. And I'm like, what? How am I gonna do pull that off? But like it's like stuff like that where it's just like. Well, I didn't, I, that was not what I was hearing, but now I, I'm like, that sounds great. <laughs> I think uh, another thing is, uh, I think Corey and uh, Tanner's relationship is hilarious because <laughs> yeah. Corey will just be like, yeah, uh, plays, you know, like, uh, and he'll just like, you know, just like, yeah, he'll hum a melody once and Tanner will be like, oh yeah, cool. And then Tanner will just figure it out by ear. <laughs> Tanner's one of my favorite pieces of furniture at Shadowscape yeah. Records because furniture. like the oh my one, gosh. my favorite people in, in the world are like fast brained musicians because I'm a fast brain writer, but I'm not a fast brain musician. Like I, I know where I want to go, but if I sit down with a guitar, I was like, well, God, I know where to go, but I don't know how to get there. But Tanner, Tanner's the other half of, I mean, he's the half I wish I had where it's like, Ooh, idea. And then he just translated is we, we would be great travel partners in the world of rock and roll. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But it's, I mean, but it also like, I know that, that that's not because that's Tanner's personality. I know that comes from just woodshedding for, for hours and hours and actually having skills, So then, you know, yeah, some of the recording process. I mean, so we came in a lot more put together than we had previously. 
Um, but on my end, on drums, I had some parts figured out, but uh, same thing with, with the feedback from you guys and these guys sitting here is that there were parts uh, on drums that I just wanted to make sure were serving the song best and being able to be in the tracking room and be able to go through the song or go through a part and say, hey, let's dissect this a little bit more just from my instrument. And let's say, you know, does this, does this work? Is it stepping on anything? Is it, you know, I, a lot of times some of the guitar lead stuff is kind of figured out, but maybe I haven't heard it all and some stuff's going to develop later. Like, let's make sure we've got room to go other places without getting in the way of anything, which is, which is important for, for me and the, and the drummer I want to be, um, playing, you know, playing the music that we play. I think for me, it was really cool to like, think of it this way. I know we just talked about this, but like Corey brings ideas to the band and it's like sitting in a room, you know, all six of us in there. It's like, yeah, we invite you guys to be a part of our band for a little while. And we really enjoy that. takes a lot of trust. Right. But we do trust you guys. And I think that was something that for us is like really great. We've talked about this before. Like, you know, like I don't really want to stop working with them. Like we enjoy the ideas. You heard it here, folks. (laughs) We don't want to stop. If they go elsewhere, let's, let's hunt them down, bring them back. But to like have that relationship is really important. And I think for me, like I learned what it meant to have a producer that understood what you guys are going for or is willing to communicate a vision or say, I see this or I see the big picture. And like the value that adds is just immense when it comes to the finished product to be like, you know, we've been sitting in this so long. We just need someone that can come in and be like, yeah, I know you guys like this is this is what I think. Or even if they're like, I just think this would be super cool. And we're like yeah, <laughs> I don't get it, but we trust you and we go with it. And we're right. like, let's try this. And um, also, like, I just think about Sean being in the room and being like, there's all these other things going on. And sometimes I'm like, I don't remember the room, uh, the live room or the like control room ever being in one state. It's always <laughs> shifting and like things are being run all over the place. I think we had like four pedal boards running through each other at one point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like, you know, Sean's trying to keep up with Corey turning knobs at a thousand miles an hour to dial in tone. But I'm like, honestly, we get places quick. Yeah. It's like flying so. a spaceship. <laughs> it's yeah. like overview effect. We're flying spaceships up in here. I feel like for uh, that's a huge part of why Sean and I like working together. Um, it's just the fact that Sean knows that I get in a place where it's like, we need to, we need to like dig deep and we need to make something. And Sean knows that it's equally as important that we can because he, I can't, I don't think well if I'm unplugging things and if I'm soldering something together or if I'm running this, I'm miking this thing. I need to sit at that guitar, sit at that, you know, that piano and like sit with you and like just drown ourselves in that moment because like I, I'm such an esoteric person that like, it's it's very Neverland for me. It's very like there's a bit of, bit of like pixie dust here, and when it stops, like it the the most magical thing might disappear. I think I think you can always get somewhere good, but the most magical thing within like working with an artist and trying to like squeeze that that perfect thing out of that song or that moment, like it's so important to have like a really great engineer who actually knows your next move and know and, and is ready and willing to like to chase that because it's because there's two sides of value like without that that 
piano being dialed in where it does sound moody because I want it moody or that, you know, if we, if we don't have things like ready to go and, and we don't have the gear or the, you know, the, the microphones or whatever it is like in the right spot at the right time, like you it just, that whole moment dissipates. And it's like trying to take your imagination and make it real and right. then you don't have to keep using your imagination to be like well imagine it moody later right. it's right. like no we're in yeah. it right now absolutely yeah. and i think that's what the recording process for us at shadowscape has been like is like you know we want to get here and so you get immersed in it right well i think too like just i think it's huge like it's encouraging to hear those things but i also think just for other artists who are listening to this halfway across the world and they're there like a lot of us were at this point where it's like we can make really great records on a laptop with a $300 interface and a $200 microphone. Like it's totally possible. Um, you know, and not just because we're a studio, uh, but I do just continually want to advocate that like you get perspective as an artist. I think it's, I think there's nothing better for you to grow, um, as an artist and for your songs to really like, shine the brightest when you can actually get someone who um who's trying to help you win and trying to help you articulate and sort through your ideas and i know we we've had previous experience like like working in like you know pay like like get in there try to get it done as quick as possible and get out you don't want to spend too much money and you're they're the person behind the board is not doesn't really care with what you come out with they're just um i think like that's one of the things i think i love most about like like working with you guys i think it's like 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 you guys care so much about like what this is going to end up sounding like and it's like it's it you know means yeah, a you, lot you're all in yeah yeah with us and that's it means a lot really well valuable. and i got to listen to it for like weeks after so <laughs> yeah, it may do. as well not and you suck, love us you know? right and i think for me like i'm just seeing a trend for us and this is like when it comes to writing and comes to recording like the theme is like we want to listen and encourage everyone's creativity and really tap into what is everyone good at or what is this person saying at this moment? And it's like this like dance that we're all having together. And it's like, do we want to be in this together? And I know that I think what you're kind of saying is like, yeah, you can make this happen in your la- in your room by yourself with these things. But the second that you invite people to be a part of what's going on, whether that's in a band playing music together or you've got your producer who's helping you to see the big picture or your engineer that's hap- helping you capture the reality of something and, you know, put it through all of the digital audio conversions and stuff. Um, just really trying to encourage each other in that. Cause I know for us, like we've even had conversations like, you know, I would never want someone to stop being a creative person or stop being a writer. It's like, cool. You have this song you you've written. I don't know if this is something we can all get behind or it's all faint heart, but it's you and we want to see it happen. So it will just do something else and help you do that. And I think that's kind of the place it comes to is a humility and just really a care for everyone else, which I know we experience with you guys. So another thing is it's not all like romantic. It's like, yeah, we're just like constantly supporting each other and validating each other. Sometimes (laughs) there's, sometimes there's, uh, sort of tough love, so to speak. Bull crap! Yeah. It's like, always romantic right. with you guys. I mean, I mean, you know, we've we've sweetheart is what you guys <laughs> should be called. <laughs> we've <laughs> sweetheart. Yeah, we've been in a position where it's like maybe we're not quite sure where to go, but we've got this idea, and Corey can say n- no, or <laughs> maybe Corey's maybe, great at crushing Maybe not dreams. no, but like you, it's not just thanks you helping us kidding. create always. The, the the maybe the best idea that we've got at the time it's like let's you you're able to help push us in those moments too because you're like I think it can be better and that's 
been super great for us too because that helps us grow. And I think uh, especially with that is if you've ever been in a recording situation, you're playing your part and it's isolated from everything else and you make a mistake and it's hard. You're like, dude, what? Have I ever I suck. Ever, I don't belong here. Yeah. Have I ever yeah. picked up a good... And that, that was on it. Like this time around, I don't know. It was really difficult, mm-hmm. you know? And then you would play it and then this is hilarious. And I, and I think I... I Maybe it's intentional, maybe it's not. But when then you're like, how'd you feel about that? And I'm always like, I don't know. How should I feel about that? You know? Like, <laughs> and then I'm just like, I, I can do better. I can do better. And, you know, so I guess if, if if you haven't been, my thought would be like, I don't know, imagine you're playing like, I don't know, basketball or something. And it's like, you make the basket, but your form wasn't good. Right. You know? And then they're just mm-hmm. like, why don't you do that again? Yeah. And then how, how maybe it's a little feel, bit better. Do you feel like that was yeah, the best Yeah, do you feel like you? that was the best basket you yeah. could have made? And you're like... I don't know. I've never picked up a basketball before, you know, and like you just doubt your entire, like everything. Like, you know, I'm like, oh, I guess I've never played a guitar before and I'm just a potato and I'm just going to stand here, you know. You might be a potato. Well, this is true. I think, you know, you know, Hunter, you were saying the idea of like trying to get you guys to find the best out of the song and trying to find that best part. And Jeremy, how you're saying like searching for that like magical spot where it's like, yeah, that, that is the best I can possibly play this. Uh, that was something that I, like I stole heavily from, I worked with a, a producer named Steve Wilson and I did a, a record. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he did. A, Sorry. I just lit up. Yeah. He, he did he, one Jones of Zeta is he, like favorite albums. He did a killer. He's yeah. done a lot of the killer stuff, but he was the, I had worked with, um, a lot of great producers, um, some really very established producers. And Steve was the first person that I had ever, I had ever worked with who I didn't feel like was trying to make me into something. He wasn't trying to take his sound and, and make sure that like I sounded like him. He was just, he was the first person and the first producer that I ever met that sat down with me and like looked into me and was like, how, like, where can I help you get to? And he was like seeing the future of what I was capable of and then just squeezing the freaking like life out of me until I got there. And so all these other records, like where I would have shortcomings, my, my producer engineer would just, he would paste a fix or he would find some way to get maybe where we wanted to go or we so would, we, could we, go home. we would settle. Yeah. And Steve was the first person that I worked with that when I got to the end of the record, that was the best record I possibly could have ever created at that moment in time. And that was the, in my opinion, like in the rock band days, that's the, the, the most, the thing I'm the most proud of because I felt yeah, like so I, in, I did it. If it's any consolation, I think mad mess is like, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was cool. Great. And, but I, but I attribute so much of that to the right producer and, and such just, he had, he was the first guy that I ever like truly pre-proed with. Um, like truly he sat down and was like, we're looking at every single syllable bounce to every single part of every song, you know? And, th- and that's, that's the same reason that I think why he gets nominated for Grammys. It's, it's because like he knows because he's, he's not the kind of guy that like said, like put, you need to put my name all over this. You need to tell everyone how great I am. But he knew that at the end of the day, that song was going to live forever whether it lived forever in a big way and the whole world knew it, or if it just sat on a CD that only I and a few of my fans had, that that song, like it needed to be right. And it needed the, and everything needed to be the best it possibly could because it was just this, this thing that forever and ever would be 
what we created and what we sit, we signed off on. And, you know, so, so that's something that like, I think it's so important working with a good producer and working with the right producer. And I'm always trying to push myself as an artist to find somebody who can help me sharpen and is willing to say like, you can do better or like, you know, that was a really killer part, but it, not for this song, you know, like, or, or we a lot of this. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Seriously. We all do. It's, it, it is so incredibly hard to be able to have an out of body experience and see yourself in, in a really analytical way that maybe everyone else is seeing you. Well, I, I think, I think the big distinction that you were kind of describing at the beginning of that is a lot of producers will sit down and they'll say, they'll have a picture in their mind of what, what I want you to be. I want you to be this. I want you to sound like this. Um, and I think what you were describing, like with what Steve did with you and what we try to do with our, our artists is more like, who are you? What's in there? Find out like what's inside you that you don't know is in there. I, I think that's the difference is like if we push you or we say, no, that's not a good part or no, you could do that better. It's not because we want you to sound like this band or that band or this line or that line. It's because from spending time with you, I know something else is in there. And I don't know if you know it's in there yet, but we need to dig and it's going to hurt, but you're going to find it. And, and that's the difference. In, in changing someone's sound to make them sound like something else or influencing someone's sound to help them find a part of them that they haven't discovered yet. And I think what that means is turning off the lights, giving Tanner some candles, putting a guitar on him, and telling him to sing it like he's in Jimmy Eat World. It's and then it's like a perfect one-take that's Tanner literally, vocal part. That's the I best don't know. Part. It's a weird science. The best part about <laughs> Tanner, if he, if he can't get the part like exactly right, just imagine... You're in Jimmy World right now. I don't know why that worked every time. I, so, so as an engineer, you learn um, you you learn Jedi mind tricks. You learn how to Doctor Phil some of your artists, especially the better you get to know them. And things that I've learned about Tanner is he needs to be holding an electric guitar, not plugged into anything when he's doing vocals. <laughs> it's better if the lights are out and, and he then has a it, candle lit. If it wasn't quite the take for the tenth time yeah, it'll yeah. be like close. imagine just imagine you're in jimmy world and then no, nails it like no joke there were i mean there were other times where i would like i would need pain out of you so i would like invent some relationship problem that you didn't have and i would like tell you about it over the mic yeah. and then <laughs> which so goes right into what happened which goes right into his headphones yeah. so it's like the voice yeah. in his head uh-huh exactly Wait, how many other people do you do that with because you've told me before everyone Hey, I do, I do it with play everyone. Play that drum part like Travis Barker would play it. I'm well, like, some why, people, I, why I are think we people, just in different bands now? Why, I think, why does this work? I think so many, like, explaining ethereal, esoteric things to people, we've tried. But it's so, easier to just give them something they understand. It's uh, yeah. It's it's like, hey, can you like try that bass part? But like, you know, maybe feel a little more mushy. Like, I need some more spooge. Some, some people some bounce. Some people are gonna understand that, but like, it's easier to go. Can you play this like? Mark Trumani because there's a there's a thing that Mark Trumani does that we all know. So it's it, those those kind of things I think are just easier to get you there. It's more of a language thing. Yeah, it's for translation. Right, and I I totally agree with that. I think we're talking about like how do you communicate drum language over the internet. Right, and we've discovered something that's really cool is like hey 
listen to this part of this song at this point. That's what I want. Right. And it's like, okay, cool. No argument. I know what you're saying. Right. But then you have an interpretation of that. And that interpretation of the inspiration of somebody else is like, I can take and run that and make it my own because I'm playing it. Right. You know? And so that's a really, I think a really helpful tool. I think it's great too. Like I think you should. Like Austin Kleon wrote a book called "Steal Like an Artist." We and all read it. Yeah, it's yeah. It's great. In the band. Yeah, <laughs> I I bought it for I bought it for for uh, for Sean. I don't know if he ever read it. It's it's in a box. Do you I want have my it. copy, Sean? It's, <laughs> it's it's in my room. But I, I mean, copy. I think it's absolutely a great way to be in a band and write. Sometimes, particularly when you're far away, because the truth is, if I say, you know. Hunter, play it like Travis Barker. He's going to play it like the Travis Barker that he likes. He's not going to be Travis Barker. He's not like even like very few people like can get to that place where their emulation is 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 absolute. They're usually going to take the parts of that person or that idea that they like that they like, yeah. and it's going to become them infused with a little bit of that person that influences them. So you know. I never want to like sit with a band, particularly with you guys. I never go like, let's try to make them sound like death cab. Let's try to make them sound like this. It's like, let's try to make them sound like faint heart. But there are pieces of you guys that I know, like, I know that if you guys sound a little bit Manchester, Jeremy's stoked. So it's, it's an okay thing to say, like, just, just, Feel Manchester right now, like embrace that. I might say that's more Riley, but then if we, if we start talking Copeland, okay. <laughs> I was gonna say if we talk about Manchester, I've got so much like memorabilia <laughs> and stuff we could talk about. I got T-shirts I can put on. I've got like unreleased oh, EPs that gosh. I've kept sealed in my box. In your box, <laughs> you just I'm not keep gonna tell you where it is. Box. I'm not gonna tell you. This is mine. <laughs> this is your memorabilia box. So I'd, I'd be interested to know um, what kind of gear you guys used uh, from this recording, and what kind of gear can we hear on this on this album? Corey, this is a loaded question. It's a loaded question. I know what you want to hear. I, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'll just say it, Stratocaster. I said it. Yeah, there was a. You might have been playing a, a white Fender. I mean, all, this American Stratocaster. Thank you, AJ Moore. By yeah, the way, AJ Moore. From we might have been playing a Stratocaster, which I think was probably one. Of, this is one of those things, though. We found out we all love Stratocasters. Okay, yeah. maybe just Tanner and I for sure. Yeah, there's there's three pickups that are very drastically different. Oh, yeah. This was I a very it. Fender record. I, I I feel like we there was multiple times we'd be on a Strat and be like, okay, here's another part. Let's try a different guitar. Try this other guitar. Um, let's uh, let's try the Reverend, or let's try what, whatever. We'll pick it up and play it, and then it's like, yeah, it's feeling good. Let's try the Strat again. That's it. Strat. Yeah, <laughs> every it time. The, it was yeah. like, okay, Riley, uh, we'll start on your telly, and then like literally thirty seconds. Nope. Get the Strat. <laughs> Get the Strat. <laughs> and you have five pickup position combinations to choose from. But honestly, like, since then, I'm just like picking up the Strat all the time. Now I'm like, this is incredible. Yeah, <laughs> I I grew up in a world where the first strat I ever saw was like the, the stock, like cherry red and the white. The one you see everywhere. Yeah. The yeah. one that's like the first page of every guitar center catalog ever. And I thought it was the dumbest dad guitar ever. Yeah. Yeah. To me, it's still a dad guitar. Well, you've got some issues you got to work out, but <laughs> daddy issues, but, but like, 
as I've gotten older, and maybe that's just part of getting older is you at some point, dad guitar. you know, you're like ready to start a family when if a it's strat a, is in your life. It's because the PR, dads know a it's a great guitar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had one of those moments, John Mayer, you know, signed with PRS and his, his basically PRS strat came out this last week. And I remember being like, this is the first PRS in my life that, that I would own. I think I'm getting old. I think I'm growing up. <laughs> Yeah. What does that mean for me? That you're an old soul. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that means that by the time you're my age, you're gonna be just a boring. You probably of bones. have a crate voodoo. And- wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Great voodoo. You'll be playing through through a sweet Epi Gibby. It's gonna be great, man. <laughs> but like solid state, man. It's great tone in digital, and it's not as heavy. But that's the thing, though. Like tone takes cycles. It goes through these weird phases. Like these Kemper profiler amps. It's like these solid state guys that are like, yeah, well you can do all this. Like digital is like come back on a second wind. Like technology is good enough to do it now. Do you think that's something that's cool that we did on this record was with, with guitar tones and stuff. Like we do kind of played with a piece of trash. We did. We did play with a piece of trash. I know that's something we do want to talk about was there was the strat and then there was the receipt. We folded. It was the Tootsie roll, the cardboard. Oh, it was a cardboard. One of the big ones. The big Tootsie Roll. Oh, how the big Tootsie Rolls come in the little cardboard sleeve. Yes, Is that what you're yes, talking about? Like it's yeah. almost a box, but it's just like I three remember sides. those dang Tootsie Rolls being in the studio and just I would just couldn't stop beating them and I got sick through your whole record just yeah, eating Tootsie Rolls. It was, <laughs> yeah. It was funny sometimes with that strat. So we, we had like an, an American made strat going into just a, a horde of pedals that was going into I wanna say it was like a an Sometime like a mid sixties, so, yeah, with the two Fender, Fender bass. Also belonged to AJ Moore. We had my nineties Small Pro Junior, yeah, and then the basement. But yeah. it was always like A B those two. Just a lot of Fender, but sometimes the articulation of the lead lines needed to like you needed a rounder tone, yeah. and like just the single coil wouldn't give you the depth of that rounder tone, but. If you would take away your pick and start playing with the cardboard from the Tootsie Rolls, it gave you it, that it was, warmth. It was yeah. magic. It, it was, was just a, tubby enough. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, just like you, Jeremy. Uh, I wonder if maybe we can get Dunlop to make a Tootsie Roll pick. Shadowscape brand. Yeah. We should Trace. just get those, those pick makers. Like, you yeah, can, you it can just, buy it. Pop mm-hmm. out. Just have Tootsie Sean Roll. eat all the Tootsie Rolls and yeah. then I'll make the picks. I'm sorry, the, the what rolls? The Tootsie Rolls? You say Tootsie? Tootsie. What is, is it? Tootsie? It's, it's I Tootsie. Say tootsie, tootsie, tootsie Rolls. You tootsie. say two freaking O's. That tootsie looks like Tootsie to me. <laughs> tootsie. Is it Tootsie or Tootsie? Leave your comments down below. Like, comment, subscribe. Smash that like button. Come on, hashtag fam. Hook me up. When you got gas and you're eating candy, is that a Tootsie Roll? You got a little Tootsie. I don't know, man. I uh, for for bass though the newest thing and I, my opinion is the only thing that matters and I don't even know if I should have a bass but the JHS color box is all I want I heard it last night on stage like it I might as well great. just make bass sounds and just put it through that yeah like that's all I want another shameless plug JHS yeah. Hunter tell us about your drums does anybody care about drums besides me um yeah sh- shout out to uh, Gabe Carlson at Response Custom Drums in Rochester New York he made me a custom kit uh, a few years ago it's a maple kit. Um, 12 inch rack tom it's 5 inches deep so it's got quick response 16 uh, 16 floor tom does it have a quick response and, custom percussion uh, no and I've got my bass drum is just a cannon it's a 
20 inches deep, 24 inches uh, tall. So fits a family of four. Yeah, <laughs> it does. It eats smaller bass drums <laughs> for breakfast. Um, cymbals, something a little bit different. Most of what I, most of my cymbals are Sabian with the exception of a pair of dream hi-hats that Jeremy picked up from Craigslist super cheap. Um, the hats were a little bit uh, darker, a little bit more washy, and I thought that's probably one of my favorite things to hear when I listen to the, the drums on uh, on our new stuff is those hats cut in a different way, and I think they, they, they fit better. Um, yeah. I definitely recommend anyone who has hi-hats who plays in a rock and roll band just like... I would just find like the nearest lagoon and just yeah. leave your symbols just in a pile yep. of filth and Let dirt. Let get tarnished. No one you need them, come get them again. And Big, dark, heavy, dark, yeah. rusty, dark. Yeah. Just a lot of my dirty. stuff. Some of, I mean, like my ride is pretty bright and loud. One of my crashes is bright. The other crash is a, is a dark, um, darker crash. And then the hats are, yeah. So I, I, when it comes to drums, I really like, not that I'm a versatile player, but I really like things that are that are versatile in sound. So you know, with with if you play dynamically, um, you can get you know a lot of sounds out of cymbals. And for drums, it just you know want them to sound like rock and roll. So you, you recently picked up a new kit, a new little toy. I, I did. I found a '70s model Slingerland kit on Craigslist um, in some podunk town in Wisconsin. So I drove from Chicago to Wisconsin and paid three hundred bucks for this. Nice. Now I this. hope that guy that hates you for selling the drums doesn't like repost this and call you a crook. Yeah, like, Hunter was going to sell drums some guy, and then on he Craigslist. put more best offer, and then he got a better offer and told this guy no. And then this dude commented on our YouTube channel, Twitter, oh Facebook. Oh my god! Have found you? Yeah, and he just was like, "Well, hope." Hope y'all don't suck as much as your drummer does. Yeah. Well, he's like, band's good, but drummer's a crook. Oh, that's funny. How this dare dude I? needs to get a lie. It's like if you've ever met Hunter, it's oh, like what? I'm so he's shady. like the sweetest he's guy a that really has like sweet soul. Like, Hunter can't have a bad first impression. So this is like the one time the universe was like, yeah, you're, you're gonna pay. Gonna give oh, you yeah. a taste of social anxiety. Literally, anytime like like someone needs to go talk to someone, like Hunter, go talk to them. They'll like you more than the rest of us. Um, but that Slingerland kit, man, I'm I'm excited because it's um, the toms are all concert style, so there's no reso head, and um, the they've got reinforcement rings, so just like round round bearing edges, th- um, you know, thick uh, shell on on the bearing edge, just like nice warm low tone coming out of it it's cool and um a chrome over steel snare drum which i brought with me this weekend to try yeah. out it's just you know it's sounds fat so you guys have a brand new record coming out it's called the overview effect where can we find your new record uh there'll be physical copies um which thanks to all of our indiegogo crowdfund supporters for that but then it'll also be on the internet wherever you stream music you know, uh, Bandcamp, and then on our website, wearefaintheart.com. So, do you, any of you guys have a favorite song on the record? Tanner, what do you got? Favorite what, song? Favorite song? Uh, 90 Minute. Hunter? Uh, yeah, my favorite song is also 90 Minute. Jeremy? Chainbreaker. Riley? Colette. All right. Cool. Wait, wait, I'm changing mine. Colette. I copied Riley. Decent <laughs> so no money or no. Uh, well, no yeah, there will also be no money. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> no love for Longfin, huh? I like Longfin. That's, yeah. that's the thing is like there are moments in each song that I love so much 
and Longfin actually is one of those songs, and there are moments in Chainbreaker, but like as a whole, I think just because 90 Minute is is pretty rocking, and that's what I like to play. Like that's what's most fun for me to play. Right. What's really funny is you guys put out your first single is the song that you guys apparently hate the most. <laughs> no, so like I love that song. Listening back to it, I was like, the lyrics on this song are really cool. Like mm-hmm. I really like that. But I think it's funny because like why? Did, why? Which one is your favorite? And you guys are like, yeah, I like Longfin. I was like, yeah, that's the one that I said like I wrote the music for. But right. I was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but it's also like, I feel like that one's out of place. Or- you know, particularly that song I thought was super cool as the first song that, you know, I never heard you guys do with a, a female vocalist as yeah, well. Right. And so I thought that was really cool. Shout out to Kat. Yeah, uh, plug there. Yeah, Kat. Uh, she is a phenomenal vocalist getting her master's in vocal performance. And it, so I'm sure that was hilarious. Like, you know, when she showed up working with like she was almost like a machine. She yeah. had that much control of her voice. You'd be like, yeah, yeah. Can you just take the vibrato down 30%? She'd be like, oh yeah, I'm so sorry. And yeah, then she would just, it was like you grabbed a knob and turned it. <laughs> yeah. It was crazy. And then she's like, yeah, soften this up. And she'd be like, yep, got it. And just killed it. Cat the vocal Kyle. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah the vocal the Kyle. Vocal Kyle. It was funny about working with her is that she, we had to make her worse. Yeah, it was basically. Yeah. We like, did because she was good. She, she was, was like a little prim and proper. Oh, well, it was so articulated yeah. compared to everything. Like the the records rock and roll, and yeah. she came in with you know this operatic like larger. I mean, she she was bigger than the whole song. We were like, we're gonna need you to sleep in a van for three days and eat <laughs> nothing but ramen noodles, and then come back smoke and smoke this, this pack of cigarettes and eat this ramen <laughs> and come back and this all some gravel. Eat the ramen dry. <laughs> <laughs> You know, she did a really good job. I I like that song because it it just it showcased a new yeah, kind of really breath different. for you guys, and I think yeah, I think that was partially probably just coming from Riley. So it was just kind of a like a new perspective, and you know, let the young guy kind of kind of play around a little bit. <laughs> but it's like you know, it's like I don't have none of us have kids that I'm aware of. Um, you know, but I assume it's like picking your favorite child. <laughs> hey, look, man, I don't want to assume. Okay. <laughs> Well, with that, we're going to yeah, sign yeah, off Yeah, we here. have to go On after. that yeah. note, <laughs> shut it down. Shut it down. So make sure that you go on the internet, type in Faint Heart. I think they're probably the only Faint Heart in the whole world. There's no. a movie? No. There's, there's a movie yeah, called so there's Faint a movie, Heart. and then there's like this big YouTuber who starred in it. Um, there is also some other like the... So there's some Shakespeare thing about how Faint Heart never won a fair lady. So there's the, like the Faint Heart something fair lady band. Wow, that's it's so meta. If you do We Are Faint Heart, that'll pull up mm. all of our internet stuff and yeah. our website. Or just type in Good Faint Heart. Yeah, yeah. Good yeah. Faint Heart. Faint Heart the Got the Lady dot com. Yeah. Yeah. Branson. Yeah, just dive in Faint Heart Branson Good. I, I think that'll get you something. Anyway, we want to thank Riley and Jeremy and Hunter and Tanner for being on our very first new music release edition of the Shadowscape podcast. We are live here in Kansas City, right above Shadowscape Studios. We got all the vibes today. So thank you guys for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Corey. I'm Sean. I'm Jeremy. (laughs) 